The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and are not necessarily those of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Well, hello, hello. It's great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Wealth Insights with Mitch Silberman. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and boy, is it great to have you back with us on the show. We've got Mitch standing by. He'll be joining me in just a moment. But look, first and foremost, we want to thank you for finding your way back, and then, of course, we want to lay kind of a guideline, a framework as to what you can expect in today's episode. We're going to be continuing our conversations surrounding family wealth in today's episode. If you were with us for our last episode, uh, then great. Happy to you know have you guys transition with us into today's conversation. If you missed last episode, Mitch and I took a deep dive into this idea of the family constitution. It's really a great jumping off point, if you will, for diving into the inner workings of how a family should really think about and address their wealth as a whole, as a collective unit, and make sure everybody's on the same page. So if you missed last episode, I would make sure to you know head back, check that one out. It's a great segue into our conversation today. But to give you a little framework on today's conversation, we're going to be addressing a really key question. Uh, It's a question that I think most people might jump to answer a little too quickly. Uh, And the question is, are your heirs ready to deal with the wealth that you plan to pass on to them one day? Hopefully the answer is yes, but in some instances they might not be. And And it takes a level of educational efforts to really get them to a point where they are able, you know, to take on that wealth, take on the responsibilities that come with it. And then take action to progress the family's goals for that wealth moving forward. Obviously, Mitch has seen these examples, these instances of of wealth matriculating down to the younger generations a time or two in his time in the wealth management business. So we're going to go ahead and bring Mitch out to get the conversation started and walk us through some of his experiences with this uh, this topic. So, Mitch, great to see you today. How are you doing? Terrific, Ryan. Always great when we're together. Oh, I always look forward to our conversations, Mitch. And today we've got a really good one. You know, I think the the average Joe, if you will, when they think about this idea of of an inheritance, it's this it's this awesome moment for this younger person, and there's this great influx of wealth, and your life's going to change overnight. And so, while sure some of that might be true, there are some intangibles that also come along the way, and it's some of those intangibles that end up being pretty big deals down the road. So let's start today's conversation with just. A, kind of like accepting the fact that we need to look at inheritances as a little bit of a double-edged sword. Sure, there's benefit here, but there's responsibility coming with it. So talk to me about, you know, to get our conversation started, really, talk to me about how inheritances should be kind of viewed as this double-edged sword. It really is. Uh, Someone once said, you know, how much is enough money to ruin a young person's life? And uh, you're right, it's exciting. Wouldn't we all love to hit the jackpot? Or I wouldn't because I don't play the lottery. But wouldn't it be great (laughs) to come into a lot of wealth? Obviously, most people could give anything to have their parents back. But at some point, they're going to inherit this wealth. So having discussions ahead of time, open communication is so crucial. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that Warren Buffett famously said, you know, he wants to give his children enough money that they can do something, but not enough that they can do nothing. And so you want to start having conversations with your children uh, I know I'm a parent of three. Sometimes the kids don't want to hear it from you. They hear it from a third person like a wealth manager. But you want to start preparing them because at some point in the future, they're going to come into wealth and you want to make sure they're a good steward of that wealth. That in some cases, there are strategies you can use to call what I what I would call, you know, control from heaven. 
that you can make sure the children inherit the money in a good way and you can set up guidelines and parameters so that money continues through the family uh, legacy and maybe continue to do good with it? Mm -hmm. Well, Mitch, uh, one thing I really want to touch on today is this idea that when an inheritance happens and that befalls mm -hmm. upon somebody, there there tend to be some some other conflicts, really, that they deal with in their life, both internal as well as external. Talk oh, yeah. to me a little bit about these conflicts, internal and external conflicts that you sometimes see, you know, heirs have to deal with in moments like this. I'm going to tell you a real life story, Ryan. Many, many years ago, a local CPA uh, had a client and he, he referred that client to me. I'm going to call the client Steve. So the CPA says, I want you to talk to Steve. He just inherited money from his mom. I said, okay. Steve was in his 60s. Steve becomes a client of mine. We did some planning for him. Uh, you know, we have a five-step personal CFO process, helped him talk about his goals, what he wants to achieve in life. Steve was a good client for a long time. One day he comes into my office and he says, I am so mad at my sister. And I said, oh, well, what happened? He said, well, you know, when mom died, my sister and I both inherited the same amount of money. Guess what? The sister blew through all of the money. And now he's coming to Steve or she's coming to Steve wanting help, wanting some of his money, put him in a very difficult situation. Mm -hmm. So I know firsthand, I can see what happens when someone's not a good steward of wealth. And it does create a lot of tension. And to this day, there's terrible tension with that side of the family and my client um, because of what happened. So, so in an instance like that, where, you know, Steve being the responsible one, if you will, with that wealth that you know, he inherited versus his sister not being so responsible. It looks like there's this gap of, of maybe educational knowledge there between the two heirs uh, that maybe should have been addressed earlier on with something like a family constitution, like we discussed in our last right. episode. Uh, right. But talk to me a little bit then about maybe even efforts that you got, you've done at your office with maybe some clients that have gone through a similar process of, of addressing this gap in, in wealth education and helping right. these heirs to really get a foothold on how their life's going to change and how they need to manage their wealth moving forward with all these new things that are going to start happening. Sure. I am very passionate about education. I love it. Uh, from my mom of blessed memory, she was always reading. So I love to read. I love to educate others. One of my favorite things to do with clients when they have children, whether they're younger children or even adult children, is bring them in. Let's all talk. And uh, with, the, with the adult client's permission, of course, I can share details of how much wealth they're talking about. But I do want to kind of set the stage so the child, again, when I say child could be young, could be an adult, starts making good decisions. Because ultimately, you want, to make, you want your children to make good decisions with their money and avoid common costly mistakes. And it's very important. So I love to educate, whether it's something as simple as the rule of 72, the magic of compounding interest, uh, diversifying, the whole concept of investing. But there's there's a whole world out there. And and the, the sooner you can get the children to be educated on this by someone like me, the wealth manager, or even the parent, uh, the easier that transition will be over the years. So Mitch, in your dealings with clients, when you're going through this process, you know, is there anything that you're seeing some of these extremely successful families doing, or maybe not even doing on the other hand, uh, when it comes to educating their wealth on, or excuse me, educating their kids on passing on the wealth? Is there anything you're seeing sure. on this front? It is so crucial to have both communication and education. Sure. It, it, those together can have a profound impact on a family's life. 
So when I'm talking to children, I might pick someone they know, like Tom Brady. I'll just pick, so I'm, sorry for you Brady haters out there. I'm just picking names <laughs> very famous and very successful. But, you know, I would ask the children and even the adults, do you think Tom Brady understands the whole world of wealth management and planning and investing and minimizing taxes and risk mitigation? And the answer is probably not. I don't know him, okay? But probably he doesn't. I'm just saying probably. So what does that mean? That means that he surrounds himself with a team of professionals that he really relies on and who that he trusts. Very, very important. So what you find is no matter if you're a billionaire or you're, you've done very well for yourself, you've got to surround yourself with a team of experts that really know what they're doing, whether it's accounting, law, wealth management, um, insurance. There, there's a whole world out there. So once the kid knows um, wow, mom and dad have a team of advisors. Mom and dad have a financial quarterback that helps guide them in making good decisions. And mom and dad are including me. They're kind of educating me. Um, and it's not just, not about educating the kids on how investments work. That, that's kind of secondary. More about how to be a good steward of their money, how to make intelligent choices with their money and avoid common costly mistakes. And equally important, how to look out for the financial assassins out there because there are plenty. Sure. So Mitch, obviously that, that sounds great. This idea of educating the kids that they have their, you know, their, uh, their pulse, like on the wealth as a whole, understanding its dynamics, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But that for maybe some, a family that hasn't really thought about it this way, that can be a little daunting as to where do you begin? You know, where do you start? to foster that level of intelligence. So what do you say to that? Where does a family, how should they start those conversations and really get, uh, you know, and help, help work that child that, you know, might not have an interest in wealth to maybe mm -hmm. have an interest in wealth. How do they, how, how would you say they should start that process? Well, I do work with a select number of successful families and I do ask them about their children all the time. I want to know their children's names, their birthdays, their interests. And I offer very regularly, would you like, your children to come in and meet with me. And 99% of the time they said, that would be great. Cause what you find, I'm a father of three. And sometimes my kids don't always think I know the right thing or the right answer. Right? So maybe if the children hear it from mom and dad is not as impactful if you hear it from a third party or someone else who's advising them. Sure. So the first step is listen, you've done well for yourself. We're doing a lot of planning for you and your family. Would you like to involve the kids? It's very rare. I hear no. And so I say, well, why don't they have them come into the office and we'll have a meeting together? I've met with the kids alone and I've met with the kids with the family. But basically it's the concepts just kind of laying the groundwork so they realize that the family has been blessed. They've done well and we have to be good stewards of that. We have to protect it. Uh, we have to grow it as much as possible. We have to minimize it being taken away unjustly through taxes or lawsuits. And we have to protect it. There's all kinds of things that can be done. And at the children's level, you can start explaining so they realize, wow, Wealth is a part of our family and we need to do the right thing. Um, and it's a smart thing to get the kids involved. So Mitch, I, I think it almost goes without being said, but when you look at each family, you know, there's probably a decent chance that one of the kids, if not a few of the kids in a given family, maybe don't have that desire, that burning urge to really establish that level of intelligence when it comes to wealth. So in your dealings with families that maybe have kids like this, do you mm -hmm. find that there might be an approach that better resonates with some, in, some individuals like this that, you know, really shows them how important this really is and, and, you know, gets them beginning to think about establishing that level of interest in wealth? Is there any approach that you find that works better? 
Well, one thing I've learned over the years of doing this for decades is that there's no such thing as a financial planning emergency. Most emergencies arrive from a lack of financial planning. Mm -hmm. So if I see that a child or one of a few children is not taking an interest, you know, I have frank discussions with my clients. I mean, they're entrusting me with their family wealth, right? Most of my clients don't come to me to make them wealthy. They come to me to keep them wealthy and help them pass that along to their children. So one of the roles of a leader is to tell the truth. So if I see that there's a child who's not interested or doesn't have the capability, or there's a whole slew of situations that could arise, it's incumbent upon me to tell the truth and say to the client, I don't think that this child is interested. Um, how do you want to perceive? Well, what do you mean? Well, do we want to do a conservatorship? Do we want to write something special into the estate planning documents? Um, so there's, there's all different approaches, but you got to pay attention and you got to be honest. And I think the parents appreciate that. They, if I'm noticing it, I'm sure they noticed it already. Mm -hmm. But the other issue that becomes is you don't want resentment among children. You don't want that at all. And I hear that a lot where, you know, Jane is great with money, but little Johnny's going to blow it all. And so you want to tread lightly on that. Again, tell the truth. Like, how do we mitigate this? But I will tell you, there are true experts out there. And one of my jobs as the wealth manager, the financial quarterback, the personal CFO is to find those experts and bring them in to help the family. So if something is a little complex or thorny, and it's, it's not something that, that I know I'm qualified to advise on, I will tell the client, we need to bring in someone to help us with this situation for your family's benefit. I love that. Having the right people in place, it seems to always come back to that in some capacity, Mitch, is having those right conversations with the right people at the right time. As you had mentioned, those planet, you know, wealth planning mistakes only happen because of a lack of wealth planning. But look, you had mentioned something earlier in our conversation, Mitch, that I think it's important for us to circle back to. And that's while, yes, these educational efforts are great when it comes to just understanding wealth and how it should work and how it can best be maintained over time after it is inherited by you. But th there's this other element of, of, you know, charitable giving. And this can be a really good opportunity to start some of those conversations, too. So talk to me about in your dealings when you're, you know, like you had said, having maybe some of these conversations with the, the children of a family, maybe even without mom and dad in the room, you're meeting with them one-on-one uh -huh. -on -one or two-on-two. -on -two. You know, talk to me about what some of those conversations look like when you're starting to get them thinking about, hey, well, you've got this wealth. You know, you could really do some great things with it. Talk to me about what those conversations look like and why they're equally as important as the, the generic educational efforts, if you will. Sure. Uh, charitable giving is is a, a true passion. I I, I see the good that people can do and what it brings out in their heart. If you start working with young children and you ask them what causes they care about, and then we talk about, well, what if we start helping those causes? What if we start helping those people? Because there's, there's no shortage of great charities out there. They truly need help. So that might be one way I've seen to engage children that like, listen, you're blessed. Your family has done well but you can do good with this money. What are causes you care about? What are, what are concerns that matter to you? And then of course, you've got to find the charities that really do good things. So, you know, we can write off the bad charities, the ones that are, that are con artists, forget about them. But there's also ways to do your own research on charities, like how much really goes to the bottom line, how much really goes to the cause they're working on versus salaries per se. So if you get the children involved with causes and concerns they care about, that I think is one powerful way to get them engaged. Um, and even teaching them that if you have a hundred dollars, maybe you give 10% to this cause. Start realizing that, you know, don't just keep it all for yourself, but start giving it to causes and concerns that you passionately care about. 
so important to talk about that at an early at an early age. But also one thing that I do want to make sure that we clarify for our audience as well today, Mitch, is you know a lot of our conversations on this show deal with affluent families that have significant assets at their disposal because that's what you know you work with on a majority of your your time. But I want to be clear here, these educational efforts when it comes to preparing heirs for their inheritance, really the topic of our show today, they're not mm-hmm. just efforts that should be taken for those that are receiving these massive you know, sets of assets or, or massive sums of money. These are important educational efforts that should be take, taken regardless of the level of wealth that we're talking about. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Would you elaborate a little more? Absolutely. I mean, listen, if, if someone is worth a billion dollars, fantastic. Uh, most people don't have a billion dollars, but we can emulate things that they do. And so the concept that I have is of a virtual family office where you can be where you are, I am where I am, and I have a, an access to a team of experts, the best to bring them in to advise you and your family on what to do best with your wealth, how to preserve it, how to grow it, how to pass it along to your family, how to prepare your children for that inheritance, how to you know donate properly. These strategies apply no matter what your level of wealth, no matter how many commas are in your family wealth. So I think it's incumbent that we do this because you want to bring, you know, put forth children into the world that make the world a better place. And if you're blessed to have the financial wealth, you know, wealth to do such things, then great. Let's be a good steward of that. Let's help you make good decisions so that you can all live an amazing life of significance. I love that. So Mitch, as we kind of bring our conversation to a head here today in terms of preparing heirs for their inheritance, who then should families look to for help in this process? Maybe it's even the very first step of going through some of those educational processes. Maybe it's even, you know, uh, getting getting the will and testament developed, all of these types of things. Who should somebody turn to? Is it their wealth manager? Is it somebody like you? Well, I'm highly biased. Of course, it's someone like me. Sure. <laughs> you sure. know, uh, one of the things that I love to do is have regular progress review meetings with my clients. Um, obviously we talk about their investments, what's going on in the world, but most importantly, what's going on in their lives. So the family is a big part of their lives, maybe the most important part of their lives. So we'll talk about it and say, look, you know, the kids are getting older. Uh, are you comfortable them coming in so I can talk with them so I can help educate them, bring them into the fold. And uh, it's a really good starting point. And if there are more complex needs that must be addressed, well then, you know, we bring them in, we bring in those experts on an as needed basis. Mitch, I love this conversation for a lot of reasons, but almost at, probably at the top of my list is the fact that that when that moment happens, when that wealth is transferred, a lot in someone's life changes. And today's conversation is about making sure that that individual or those individuals are out ahead of what lies ahead of them. Those internal and external conflicts we talked about, you know, some of these circumstances of wealth maybe trying to be taken unjustly, making sure that wealth continues to grow. And then, of course, also what that wealth can achieve for you and and maybe that that child's future family, their own family, their future grandkids, all of the above. There's a lot of wonderful lessons that can be learned from conversations like these and with individuals like yourself. So I I appreciate you kind of bottom lining everything for us, walking us through what this process looks like on your end. But most importantly, Mitch, if you know anybody in our, our audience today, you know, is listening to you walk, walk us through these, the importance of these educational efforts and they want to reach out to you and your team to maybe start that conversation with them and their family. How should somebody go about, you know, getting in touch with you and really getting that, that whole conversation started? Sure. Ryan, the easiest way of course is going to our website, www.silbermanwealth.com. That's S-I-L-B as in billion, E-R-M-A-N, wealth.com. And uh, reach out and set up a time for us to chat. 
I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, and I'm committed to helping putting you in the right direction, whether or not we work together. And I do encourage you to interview a few different wealth managers to make sure it's a good fit. It's a very important relationship, one I'm honored to have. And so uh, it would be great for us to chat. Well, Mitch, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to kind of unpack this conversation with us. And I'm looking forward to when we get together again soon. Thank you, Ryan. Me as well. Alrighty. Awesome. And hey, we want to take one final moment to thank you, our audience, for sticking along with us, jumping aboard here for the show today. If you enjoyed today's conversation, as always, we ask you to comment on whichever platform you're checking us out on. Of course, subscribe to the show, share this information with friends and family. These are great wealth insights that we're, we're leaning on from, from Mitch to as he shares them with his experiences in wealth management as a whole today with a great conversation surrounding how you prepare heirs for your inheritance. This is just one part in many parts still to come in our discussions surrounding family wealth. And boy, would we hate to have you guys miss out on some of those beneficial conversations down the road. So for Mr. Mitch Silberman, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long. And we thank you guys so much for joining us on today's edition of Wealth Insights. Registered Principal of and Securities and Advisory Services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, doing insurance in CA as CFGAN Insurance Agency, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, a broker dealer and registered investment advisor. Advisory services also offered through Silberman Well Strategies Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. CA Insurance License Number OB. 24856. Registered branch address 2945 Townsgate Road, Suite 200 in Westlake Village, California, 91361.